You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For about the hundredth time of this draft season, Chicago Bears fans are buzzing about yet another rumor about Ryan Pace potentially interested in trading up in the 2021 NFL Draft. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On the show today, we will have part two of our conversation with Locked On Bama host Luke Robinson. Yesterday, we went through all of the different Alabama offensive players with a deep dive on quarterback Mac Jones and some linemen up front in particular. Today, we're turning our attention to the other side of the ball. The defensive Crimson Tide, Patrick Sertain, Christian Barmore, even a linebacker that hasn't gotten nearly as much attention, and just overall the general impressions of this Alabama draft class. But first, we need to go through the latest Bears trading up rumors. These ones, courtesy of Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer in a a mailbag article he put, he said, Rival teams believe the Bears are lurking as a potential trade-up team. He did note that as of a few days ago, they hadn't really started burning the phone lines up on that. His quote was, so they could be in play, but they haven't been yet. But he noted that they have done their homework on the quarterbacks. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy going to the Ohio State Pro Day. They've seen Mac Jones and Trey Lance live as well. Breer also mentioned the idea that He's unclear, and other teams are unclear whether or not the Bears' ownership would let Ryan Pace move up on the draft board, given the questions about their job security and how the team hasn't been very forthcoming about where their contracts stand. And that he noted that sometimes in these kind of situations, owners will be careful about letting their general manager and coaching staff sell out to move up in the draft. I don't know that we've gotten much indication from McCaskey or Ted Phillips that they will be that involved in the decision making and I think the the quoting from them early in the offseason when we last heard from them was that yeah Ryan Pace has free reign to do what is best for the team but you never know exactly what's going to happen beyond closed doors but I think for the Bears trading up in this draft a couple of different dynamics at play here one the price to move up feels like it's going to be drastic especially if you're moving into the top 10 and the top five to try and get one of the top quarterbacks because the 49ers gave up a huge haul just to go from 12 to three and then of course there was the the swap with the Eagles and it kind of became like a three-team trade but that was multiple future first round picks and that was a less significant jump than the Bears are going to have to make but they could also move less high and make it less extreme of a move, but it all kind of depends on which quarterbacks fall and how far they might fall. We know they're going to go one, two, three in the first three picks. We're not sure who number three is going to be. At this point, it could be Fields, Lance, or Mac Jones. 
And then it's about seeing how far the other two start to fall. You know, I don't think the Bengals are going to take one at five. The Dolphins are going to take one at six. But then it's like maybe the Detroit Lions at seven are a dark horse quarterback team. The Falcons at four are also a dark horse quarterback team. But it would be a real surprise to see QBs go one, two, three, and four unless a team like the Bears trades up to four. But then it's like the Panthers at eight are maybe a quarterback team, but they've also talked about being interested in trading down as well. Maybe they don't expect the quarterback they like to still be there at eight. The Broncos also regularly in this quarterback discussion as a team that could move up from number nine, or certainly if a QB fell to nine, they would be happy to take them right there. Patriots and Washington football team at 15 and 19, also rumored to be interested in the top quarterbacks in this draft, but they have a similar challenge of of trying to move up that far from that low in the draft to get a trade partner. And you've got teams in the top five, in the top 10, in the top 15, really, that might be inclined to trade down if that quarterback is there. I think the Falcons have been in that conversation. The Bengals at five are not going to take a quarterback, and maybe they wouldn't want to move all the way down to 20, but they could be inclined to move. The Dolphins could move again at six, Like we said, the Panthers have put it out there through Adam Schefter that, hey, they're open for moving down at 8. The Cowboys at 10 has been a rumor of even a potential Bears move there. But again, a lot of quarterback needy teams are obstacles between getting a quarterback for the Bears at 10 and, you know, letting one actually fall there to even execute that trade. Even the Eagles at 12 or the Vikings at 14, if you just want to get past Washington and New England because Mac Jones or Trey Lance really is in free fall outside of the top 10, outside of the top 12, that would be maybe ideal at this point in terms of the least amount of draft capital you would have to give up to still be able to get one of these quarterbacks. But I just don't think there is a non-quarterback in this draft class worth trading up for if you're the Bears, you if you're not move if you're not looking for the quarterback, you're staying at twenty and you're taking whatever offensive lineman or cornerback or wide receiver or defensive back or whoever else at the non-quarterback spot is the best player available. There is no need to trade up for any skill position or otherwise type player other than a QB in this draft. You have to imagine there'll be competition for those picks and. That's only going to raise the price up, and then it becomes, okay, how much are you willing to give up for the fourth or fifth best quarterback in a draft class to invest multiple future first-round picks in the guy being passed on by a lot of different franchises, including, at that point, likely passed on by some franchises that could use a quarterback? It it brings up that risk idea and, and what your tolerance is and how much ownership is willing to let the Bears move, but... At the same time, I'm never going to fault the team for trying to do whatever it takes to get that quarterback position right and give you something more than Andy Dalton and Nick Foles for the long-term future. We've seen Ryan Pace be inclined to move up in the past, even move up for a quarterback in 2017, but we're focusing a little bit more on their options at 20 and in the second round and beyond, and that's why we're going deep on Alabama draft prospects with part two of our conversation with Luke Robinson next on Locked On Bears. You can take risks in the NFL draft, but you don't want to take risks with your vehicle. And that's why I only get my auto parts from rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. 
They've got everything you could possibly need. Parts I don't fully understand, like engine control modules and fuel pump assemblies, but also tail lamps, motor oil, and new carpet. So whether you're fixing up a classic car in the garage or you just need something for your daily commuter, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. The chain part stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much somewhere else. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I'm excited because this year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. We'll have insight and analysis from Locked On local experts like myself and the Draft Network's national experts. So subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. Until then... We're going through some of the draft prospects that could be available for the Chicago Bears, trying to go a little bit more in-depth so we know all of the different names we need to know for draft day. So today, we continue with part two of our conversation with Locked On Bama host Luke Robinson. Yesterday, we went through the offense. Today, we are going through the defense. So, Luke, do you think in an offseason like this where, you know, it's still... A COVID draft prep with no combine and some limited pro day activity. Do you think there there might be an inclination for teams to maybe rely on Alabama players and players from Power Five schools and programs like Nick Saban's that you know that they have established relationships with the coaching staff and there's a the track record there. Not to say that well, all Alabama players at this position are always going to be the same, but just a certain reliability of of what this program has produced in terms of, you know, some of the off-the-field stuff and some of the soft skills and, and the types of human beings that come through the program. Do you have any sense that, like, you know, maybe there's more value in the known of the Alabama factory in a year like this? Yeah, I, I think it should count for something. Look, it seems to me in the NBA and the NFL, maybe Major League Baseball, even though I don't keep up with it as much, that a lot of times general managers and teams fall in love with potential versus results. And I understand that to a degree. Um, but for this, for Alabama, I think most of these guys stats speak for themselves. I keep seeing, um, you know, oh, I'd take Jamar Chase over Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle hands down. And I think Jamar Chase is fantastic. Do not get me wrong. He's got all the measure measurables you want. He's got, um, you know, obviously LSU cranks out some incredible wide receivers. But I, I just don't think it's crazy to want to take a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle over him. I mean, those guys have also uh, done a lot of damage. And they also did it in a year when, uh, when they played an all-SEC schedule. I think that says a lot. Uh, Devontae Smith was able to uh, come back for another year and show that not only can he be a complimentary piece uh, for Alabama for his first several years, but then come back and be the absolute man and win the Heisman Trophy, the first wide receiver to win it since Tim Brown. I think that says a lot. Um, so, yeah, I do think that um, 
look, you sh- it should count a little more if you went to Alabama, if you went to Clemson, if you went to LSU, Ohio State, maybe even Georgia to some degree. Uh, because one thing you've got to remember is these guys are also – maybe their toughest battles are in practice versus o- on the field against another opponent. Uh, as I said earlier, I mean, if you're blocking uh, Christian Barmore every day, are you going to play a better defensive lineman all year? If you're an offensive lineman, you're probably not. And you got to face this dude every single day. If you're a defensive back, if you're Patrick Sertan and you're guarding Devontae Smith or you're guarding Jalen Waddle, who who on earth faces somebody like that every day in practice? I mean, in, in college football, nobody. So, I mean, that that's done nothing but make everybody better. And I think that should count for something. Since you mentioned Barmore a couple of times, let's go to him there. Honestly, it's probably a sin that we've gone this long without talking about you know, how great this Alabama defense has been. But like, can you compare for us Barmore to some of the other recent Alabama defensive linemen? You know, you mentioned Quinn and Williams, uh, or Jonathan Allen, or Ashawn Robinson. You know, how how does his skill set compare to them, and and also the sort of strength of the evaluation and the talent projecting to the NFL? Um, I would say if I'm comparing him. To- to anyone, it may be Quentin Williams because I think, uh, just like Quentin Williams, a lot of uh, Barmore's hype is based on that potential. It's ironic. I've been talking about results for a while now. I'm going to tell you about potential. But Barmore, when he when he's on his game, he he was probably the best defensive lineman in the country. I don't think there was any doubt. Um, same with Quentin Williams. But I think the thing with Quentin Williams was he was. He had only played a couple of years. He was he was really young, and and Quinnen, um was was kind of immature for his age anyway. I mean, he's he was almost like a kid. Funny story: I I was flying one day from New York to Atlanta. Quinnen Williams just happened to be on my flight, and I got to talk to him for a while. And he's still, I mean, it's almost like he's uh, he can't believe the the situation he's in. That was about a year ago, you know, being with the Jets, being in the NFL, uh, being such a high draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. But I think uh, the difference between Williams and Barmore is, man, where Williams almost had to be convinced how good he was at Alabama. And then, you know, the light seemed to come on and he was he was really consistent towards the end of his Alabama career. Barmore, I think, came to Alabama just, man, he you didn't have to worry about his confidence. He, he was kind of cocky. I mean, I, he he was he was a dude that expected to come in like, I'm going to be a high draft pick. That's what I'm going to be. And um, but he seemed to occasionally take some plays off. And it was it's not as noticeable on Alabama's defense because uh, there's so many other good players around that can make up the difference. But what was also noticeable was when Barmore wasn't taking a playoff, when he when he had his mind right. He was he was arguably the best player on the field. Um, he had some incredible plays that national championship game. Um, if somebody can get through to him and have that motor going more consistently, like say a Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen never took playoffs. Jonathan Allen was what we call a Saban bot. He did he was programmed by Saban and he did what Saban said and he did it all the time and he was good at it and that's why he's good with the Redskins or the Washington football team I should say. Um, that's sorry hard habits you know, tough to break. Um, <laughs> I still call them, I still call them the San Diego chargers. I mean, I don't know what to do. Uh, Oakland Raiders but, too. Every time. Uh, Oakland Raiders. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do? Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I think Barmore can, again, can be a really good NFL player, but he, I think he needs to go to a place that, that is going to know how to push his buttons. Right. And if they do push them right, I mean, they got an all pro in their hands. 
Were you surprised that Barmore came out as a redshirt sophomore? I mean, it's, he didn't get a lot of playing time. I mean, in previous years, this was kind of his first year emerging on the scene. I mean, does that does that speak to how good he is, or does that speak to I don't know? I said I don't know if it's a maturity issue necessarily, but does does that speak to some of this idea of needing to to reach him, or or is this sort of the natural flow of how Alabama defensive linemen go when they're this talented? You know, I think it's strike while the iron's hot. I mean, Quinton Williams did the same thing. Um, Barmore is also from the Philadelphia area. And so he comes to Alabama and I think he wanted, you know, his, his recruiting picked up very late. He was one of those guys that sort of burst on the scene late, a lot like Josh Jacobs, you know, just sort of out of nowhere. Um, everybody wants him. And that was the way it was for Barmore. And then again, I think he came to Alabama with the idea, like I'm going to be, as soon as I can get drafted, I'm gone. Um, and sometimes he played that way. But sometimes he played that way in a good way. Like, I'm going to show you why I'm drafted. So I think Barmore could be an absolute steal late in the first round um, if, if somebody will get through to him. But, yeah, I, I think that most guys uh, want, to, want to go get that paycheck in the NFL, and I, I can't blame them. Um, because here's the other thing at Alabama. Nick Saban's not going to stop recruiting good players. I mean, really good players. So what if Barmore comes back uh, and and Nick Saban recruits and he has a great defensive line class coming in? What if some of those defensive linemen start taking Barmore's minutes away? You know, then all of a sudden he's not as hot of a commodity. He was coming off a really strong national championship game where he won defensive MVP. I, I just think his stock wouldn't get a whole lot higher. Yeah, if he comes back, maybe he goes you know, instead of going in the twenties, he goes in the, in the teens and that can make a difference. But in, in Barmore's mind, I think he's thinking, look, I'm first round, I'm out of here. And I, I kind of don't blame him. Yeah. I'm with you there. It's hard to blame a player for going and getting the millions of dollars that are just sitting there waiting for him. By all means, you got to do what you got to do. But I want to turn our attention to some of the other guys in this Alabama draft class that aren't getting as much attention as the big names next on Locked On Bears. Our friends over at betonline.ag will let you bet on where some of these Alabama prospects are going to go. Right now, Mac Jones is the betting favorite for the third overall pick at minus 120. Justin Fields not far behind at plus 110. Patrick Sertain, the favorite to be the first defensive player picked in the draft. Odds still there at plus 100 with linebacker Micah Parsons in second at 175. Then there's Christian Barmore odds on who will be the first defensive lineman picked in the draft. Quiddy Pay and Jalen Phillips are ahead of him. Barmore a little bit of a long shot at plus 500. Plus, there's over-unders on where the wide receivers will be drafted and so many more ways to bet on the draft with betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Locked On Podcast Network's Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 has now gotten to the 20th overall pick. Go take a listen as soon as you're done with this podcast and hear who I picked for the Chicago Bears and then hear expert analysis from our insiders like Brian Baldinger and 
Hall of Famer Michael Irvin, plus our national draft experts, and so many more from our friends at Odyssey. Take a listen. Go search for The Ultimate Mock Draft wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're breaking down the Alabama Crimson Tide draft prospects with Luke Robinson from Locked on Bama. So, Luke... Last player for you here, and I was I hesitated because I don't think the Bears are going to have much of a shot at him, but Patrick Sertain, the other top defensive prospect in this draft, uh, for in your eyes, well, he's pretty much a consensus number one cornerback in this draft. From, from what you've seen, what do you think makes him that number one cornerback? What, what about him sets him apart from everybody else? Well, I mean, just forget the fact that he's got incredibly long arms. He's really fast. He's quick. Uh, he, he's very instinctual. Forget about all that. Um, also remember his dad played in the league for a long time. So he, he has grown up around the sport. He knows what to expect. He's not going to be overwhelmed. He, he knows also what it's like to have some money. I mean, it wasn't like his dad uh, was destitute in any way. He certainly grew up in, in a household that had some NFL type money. Now, <laughs> uh, the, the younger Sertan is going to end up having more than the daddy Sertan just because the way the numbers work now. But I think that, uh, he certainly knows what that's about. And, and sometimes, as you know, in the NFL, that can be a transition, just uh, dudes trying to know what to do with their money and doing the right thing with it. That can also be uh, something that may have effect on their play. But he's also just been around Nick Saban. He's been around um, NFL coaches that at Alabama that uh, know what they're doing and know how to get you to league. And, and there's nobody better at preparing uh, defensive backs than Nick Saban. That that's what he's always wanted to coach, and that's what he spends a lot of time coaching when he's when he is uh, on the field at practice. So, I think it's been uh, he's going to be a great player. A lot of mock drafts that I see have him going to Denver, uh, which I think could be a good landing spot for him. But you know, I'm hoping the Bears do get either a Sertan or you know maybe maybe somehow some way they end up with Mac Jones. I think that'd be kind of cool too. But um, you know, I'm hoping they get some more Bama guys. I'd, I'd love for them to have them. Any other Bama guys in this draft that stand out to you? I mean, obviously, we didn't talk about Najee Harris. We didn't talk about the wide receivers. But, like, are there any, you know, late-round guys? I know, like, linebacker Dylan Moses is in there. But are, are there any other names, or is it, or is it pretty much just uh, the guys at the top that are the ones we really need to keep an eye on? You know, I think uh, you mentioned Dylan Moses. I think that's one. that's good. He's going to be so intriguing. I mean, this is a guy that was committed to LSU in the eighth grade, right? And the, I saw some film of him on Twitter earlier where it, they had like his high school, uh, not high school, but eighth grade highlight reel. I mean, he looked like a grown man in eighth grade. I mean, and so maybe just maybe Dylan Moses, he peaked so early that like, I'm not sure. I think we may have seen his ceiling, but his ceiling is still really high. And I, I just feel like it's going to be one of those potential things again, where some of these NFL scouts are going to say, you know, we've kind of seen what Dylan Moses is. But the catch is Dylan Moses is really good, and he played in, in the best conference in the country. Uh, and, again, he practiced the best against the best in offense in the country all the time. So I think Dylan Moses is going to be a little bit underrated in this draft. Somebody's going to sneak up there, get him in the second or third round, and they're going to be really happy with him. He, he's not uh, as sideline to sideline as he once was because of his injuries, but and he is maybe a little bit overbuilt to some degree. But, man, you're going to get a guy that's an absolute leader, too. Um, Dylan Moses is – is I think he can be, again, a really solid contributor for a while. I'm not sure he'll ever be an all-pro, but I think he'll be a, a good NFL player. And then Najee Harris, you mentioned him, too, because he's the ones that 
Uh, everybody's really been concentrating on uh, Najee Harris is, is he's just a dude. And I keep seeing mock drafts taking him or sending him to Pittsburgh. And I think what a perfect landing spot for him. I mean, because he seems like a Le'Veon Bell, I'm going to get three yards to, to 10 yards every time I touch it versus ever get uh, caught from behind the line of scrimmage. Najee Harris is not going to have one of those breakaway runs. I think the longest run he had while at Alabama was in the college football playoffs for like 50 yards or some plus or minus. But um, he uh, he's, he's just a guy that always gets the yards he needs to get. And he's a great uh, pass receiver. And he also, see, he's also grew up in California. And then he moves to Alabama. And you talk about just the culture shock of all culture shocks. Um, so he knows what it's like to bounce around the country. So when he, if he's drafted by uh, Chicago or Seattle or, or New York or whatever, I think he knows what it's like, you know, to pack up and move somewhere new and, and not, it's not going to take an adjustment for him. And again, that can't be undersold. Sometimes that's a problem for guys. Well, Luke, your Alabama expertise is, is obvious and you do a great job breaking down these players. Let everybody know a little bit more about what you guys are doing at Lockdown Bama and anything else you're working on this time of year. Yeah, please do go check us out at Locked on Bama. Jimmy Stein and I. Jimmy is a he's a really knowledgeable dude about all things Alabama, and um, he keeps up with recruiting a lot. And he loves the NFL draft like I do. Uh, we we've been so excited about the draft ever since the national championship game was over. Really, uh, but you can go check us out at Locked on Bama. Uh, we'd love to uh, interact with you guys on Twitter or whatever. And uh, we take things a little bit. We're not quite as serious on that podcast. I mean, sure, we talk Bama and we talk draft. We get a little we we get into the silly season some, but uh, I think that's that's needed. You don't always need sports right in your face, and so we we'll tell a story or two. But uh, it's always a lot of fun, and I hope you guys do give us a chance. Well, certainly uh, your accent adds to your credibility on all things <laughs> Crimson Tide, Luke. So I appreciate you making the time for us, and uh, I hope I hope draft day is as exciting and fruitful for you as we're expecting. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks again to Luke Robinson from Locked on Bama for joining us on the podcast today and yesterday. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to Locked on Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Tomorrow, we're going to go all in on breaking down the Bears selection done by me in the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It is live now as you're listening to this podcast. Go through, take a listen to all the analysis of the pick. And then on tomorrow's podcast here, we'll talk about who was available on the board, some of the decision-making process that went into it, some of the trade discussions I had with my fellow Locked On Podcast Network hosts about moving up into the top five, into the top ten of the draft to potentially snag that top quarterback option that's your spoiler alert I guess that I didn't land one of those top quarterbacks at 20 like no one is expecting but it was a fun process to go through and it's a really well done show that you definitely need to check out and then come back to Locked On Bears for the follow-up explanation so I hope you'll tune in to both and enjoy going through that whole process with me I hope it's all helping you get just a little bit more ready for the NFL Draft that's now less than a week away. It's an exciting time of year, and I hope it all helps you bear down.